So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, ready? Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to So What? We're glad you're here. I'm Paige. I'm Oakley. And I'm Andy. And we are excited to be with you guys today and just to talk about um, some back to the basics in scripture and in the Christian life. Today we're going to talk about one that makes everyone just, I feel like, a little bit uncomfortable, and it's confession and repentance. I mean, so, let's be real. When we talk about confession, it's big yikes, okay? Like, there it is. There it is. There's the Gen Z word of the day. <laughs> and it's using Gen Z words. Gen Z word of the day, big yikes. Big yikes. Confession, big yikes. <laughs> so uh, before we talk about confession, we're going to start a little lighter. And I want to know what you guys did this weekend. Oh, man. You guys know what my weekend is. It's just, it's kids stuff. It's college football. Repeat. Let's go. It was great. Amazing. I bought a house this weekend. Let's go. So, no really small exciting. Thing. No small thing. I need you to know when this happened, Oakley didn't tell us about it for probably a solid like 10 minutes of her life update in our staff meeting. She just like buried the lead. We were just watching football and uh, then decided to go buy a house, right? <laughs> so that's, that honestly is kind of in a nutshell how it happened. Casual Saturday. <laughs> Thankfully, it went really smoothly and really well and we will close in the middle of October. Woo! Yeah. Uh, my weekend, I went to the fair twice. If y'all don't know me, I'm a fair... <laughs> Fiend. I love the fair. <laughs> I saw pig races. I had all the food, saw the cattle, went to the weird exhibits where they sell things like you don't really need, nor do you really want. <laughs> but you go and look around. But I had the time of my life where the Ferris wheel like three times. Oh Incredible. Gosh. I will never go on a fair ride. <laughs> it was ever. so much fun. I did realize I did no one way. of the spinny rides. Don't trust people. And I realized I think I finally like am too old for those. Because I, I hopped on. Spinning. It was one of the ones yeah. that like yeah. the whole thing spins. There's like little miniature arms that spin around it and I thought I was going to die. I saw double when it stopped. Like, I just saw two of everything. And I was like, I thought that just happened in cartoons. Apparently yikes. not. Yep. Oh, man. So, Big that yikes. was my week. Stop, Big yikes. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Okay. Well, yep. Big yikes on that one. Back to our topic, confession and repentance. I think these are really churchy words that mm-hmm. you don't really hear a lot outside of church. It's like, I'm going to confess my love to someone. Yep. That's really the extent that you hear about it outside of church. So, I think... It's important to kind of define these and set these right because they are such integral parts of the Christian faith mm-hmm. and our walk and how we live it out. Um, so first, I think we should talk about confession. And so can you guys just define for me what confession is and what it looks like? Well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is what we, again, what what, is, what do we think of when we think of confession? We think Catholic, go into a booth and bear your soul, right? Yeah. That's kind of the the image I think that most people get, and it's it's a negative image. Like we just don't we don't like it. But um, confession um, is simply admitting or agreeing that this is true. Like that's you know if I confess my love, I'm just agreeing and admitting that yeah I I love you. So I'm confessing my love to you. So you can confess about anything. I mean, anytime we make a statement of agreement, we're confessing. Right, I'm confessed that I'm I'm nervous about this job interview. That's a confession. I'm so it's not all just negative. Yeah. In this context, it's very personal, and I think that's that's what makes it scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think when we talk about it, um, often what we're referring to within the context of the body of Christ within church um, is when we're confessing that we've seen the standard 
God has given us and we have fallen short of that. Mm -hmm. And in some way we have placed something else in place of uh, where God should be on the throne and maybe we've entertained that or we've walked down a certain path that we know does not bring the name of the Lord glory. And so how can we walk openly with the people that are in community around us to confess that? Um, and then what we'll talk about that should lead to a spirit of repentance turning away from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's good. We kind of hit on it. Something else I want to touch on is like what confession is not. Because I think that's what you're, it's easy to think like, oh, it's this, it's this, this. Like, what is it not? Is it necessary for salvation? Is it like, what part does it play? Mm. Well, I think there, there's two sides to that. I think there is a confession that's required for salvation, right? The, the confession is, I am a sinner in need of a savior, right? That's the confession. Whether it's ongoing confession of every single thing you ever do, probably not, because that's probably impossible. <laughs> Like there's probably things I do I'm I'm not even aware of. Yeah. And so what I would say to that is, yes, there needs to be a confession and an agreement that Jesus is the Savior that I need. And there's an agreement that, yes, I'm going to submit my life to you and follow you. That's Mm -hmm. the confession that Mm -hmm. we make. In terms of confessing every sin, I think sin was forgiven on the cross once for all time. And so the details of every single thing um, necessary for salvation, I don't see that. I see that Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins um, with no caveat of, well, you got to confess every single one. So, yeah. yeah, that's good. So as Christians, kind of what are some different ways we're called to confess? Because we talk about confession of sin, um, like confession as in I'm a sinner need to Savior. So like what does that look like in different avenues of the Christian walk? There's a lot of, a lot of verses, but I think the first, the whole idea of confession in our context is as a believer. And so our first confession is um, we would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Romans 10, 9, and 10, uh, that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And so that's the first confession that I would encourage everybody to, to explore is, is Jesus Christ your Lord? Um, have you confessed that with your mouth and believed it in your heart? It's not just something you say, it's a, it's a both and that believing, that word believing being an active confidence and trust in. You've put your confidence in. It's like you go to the fair. You unwisely put your <laughs> trust and confidence in the carnival ride workers who put that Ferris wheel together. <laughs> but you believed and it moved you to action. And so Romans yeah. Romans 10, 9 is like, hey, yeah, you confess with your mouth, right, uh, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Put that trust into action that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So that's the, that's the first confession. Yeah. And then I think kind of what we're going to spend our time talking about today is confession of sin. Confession that, like I, you know, we talked about earlier, when we're not uh, living lives that are really submitted to the Lord, we're kind of falling into our fleshly desire, things that are contrary to what God has instructed us to do. And so how then do we confess that to ourselves, confess that to our community, confess that to the Lord? Why do we do that? Um, how can we do that? And then how can we move forward out of that? So and that's kind of what, you know, we're spending some of our time talking mm-hmm. about today. Yeah, absolutely. Launching right into that, I think the first question we have to ask ourselves is why do we engage in confession? Because like you're saying, it's mm-hmm. not comfortable. It's not fun. It's admitting weakness. And it's just us as humans, like that just goes against every fiber of our being. So sure. why should we do it? Yeah, I mean, I— uh, a beautiful passage of scripture that talks about confession of sin, 1 John 1, 9. 
It says, if we confess our sins, he, as in God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confession being the number one tool that's going to release us from this prison, if you will, of sin, Mm -hmm. release us um, from walking in darkness and walking in the confines of the shackles that we've placed ourselves in and then getting to walk in that freedom and walk in the forgiveness that the Lord offers freely. And so it just clearly so, you know, explicitly states, if we confess that and we walk forward in that, then He is going to be just to forgive us and then ultimately to cleanse us, to allow us to embrace that freedom. Um, You know, sin thrives when it's kept in the darkness. And that's what the enemy wants us to believe. Keep this in the darkness. You have it under control. Not a big deal. Not a big Mm -hmm. deal. Uh, you can quit anytime, you know, all the things that you yep. you can hear, the lies that the enemy wants to thread within our minds. And yet when we step into the light where God calls us into, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel like we're exposed. And yet it begins that process of healing so we can actually walk in the fullness that the yep. Lord has called us to mm-hmm. walk into. I love, I love the word, you know, in 1 John 1, 9, which was, and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is, is, is a washing, mm-hmm. a spiritual washing of our souls. And so there is there is a a very physical thing of like yes I'm going to confess sin but it does something in the in the in the life of the believer mm-hmm. that is a cleansing process. And so you think about the things in our life that we don't cleanse like um I mean a million like you think about the drain in your house it gets clogged like you got to you got to clean that thing out or else it's going to cause other problems. Yeah. And so I think that first John 1, 9, you're like yeah there's the forgiveness of sin but there's also a cleansing process. Mm -hmm. And that's a spiritual concept. But I think we all understand. Like, I remember when I was in elementary school, I told a dirty joke and I got caught. My teacher knew I was a Christian and I felt terrible. So much so that I stayed home for two days because I was so sick to my stomach. Every time we drove to the school, I was just convicted as a kid because I was a Christian and I did something. Like you said, I I didn't live to the standard and it literally destroyed my little soul for days. And my mother did not know, because when I would go home, I'd be fine. But when I was confronted with the area and the people with which heard my joke, the Holy Spirit was convicting me to the point where I was ill. And that did not go away until I confessed. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I confessed, I was cleansed. I felt that weight of like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. it's out. I'm not alone. Is that so? Well, it's such as like we we're saying, like in James five sixteen, like confessions to the Lord and He'll forgive you, and confessions to one another and be healed. And I think as someone who didn't practice confession for most of my years following Christ for the past few years, I can just say that it's just such an like you're saying an exhale. Like when you confess yeah. that to your small group, to someone that's holding you accountable, to someone that you trust, because it's not you alone carrying that burden anymore. Yeah. You have someone else who is checking on you, who is encouraging you, who is helping you. And I think that isn't possible unless we go through the uncomfortability of confession. You can't have that partnership and that help and that aid unless people know what's going on and they're well, able and to And Romans you. 5 and 6 talks a lot about, you know, being enslaved to sin. Yeah. And so Christ himself said in Luke 4, I have come to set the captives free. And Uncle, you, you said earlier, it's that prison, right? When we sin, we start to build a prison of our own making. And mm-hmm. to me, confession is, is is a wonderful, probably the greatest tool of freedom of, hey, I'm going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. I've, I've built something in my life that now is enslaving me. And I need to bring this into the light. And in the light, that's where Jesus goes to work. And the body of Christ comes around and says, hey, we're going to help you 
stay out of the prison because what we like to do is we like to go back. You know, just like the, the Israelites in Egypt, they're complaining and they're like, can we just go back to Egypt? At least there we had food. <laughs> they have better food. Right. And so that's what we do. We like to get out of prison per se, but then we, when we're fearful, tired, angry, whatever is happening in life, we, we, we tend to go back to the prison. Mm-hmm. And so confession is a forgiveness. It is a cleansing. And I think it's, a, it's an act of, of freedom of like, I'm yeah. tired of being enslaved. And we, we see this in all ton of areas. We see it in alcohol addiction, substance addiction. Like the biggest step is to say, I have a problem and it, it's alcohol, whatever it is. Because there's there is a literal cleansing that happens to a lifting of the weightiness. So that's why we do it. Um, forgiveness, yeah. a cleansing. Um, so yeah. It's good. So I think the next question logically then would be, okay, so it's good and it's good for us, but how do we do that practically? Because I think... Like we brought up like the Catholic going to the priest, we brought up different things like confessing to like parents. Like what does it look like to live a life where confession is a regular part of it? Um, th- I mean, th- this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. Cause it's easy to talk about it. Yeah. It is really easy to talk about. It. It's fun to talk about. It. You're like, yes, I want, I want freedom. I want, I want forgiveness. I want to be cleansed. Mm-hmm. The hard part is, is dealing with our ego and yeah. our pride. Um, because we want people to believe we don't struggle. We want people to believe that we are perfect. And so I think the first things that come to my mind, you know, you mentioned it earlier pages is James 5, 16. What is, what is the promise of James, of first John 1, 9? And what is the promise of James 5, 16? James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you will be healed. First mm-hmm. John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, you're going to find forgiveness and a cleansing. So, I think it begins with understanding it's not just a checkmark thing for Christians. Like, you got to do this to be a good Christian. No, no, no. This is where forgiveness, cleansing, and healing come. And if you're injured physically, why do you go to the hospital? Because you want to get better. And so I think the first thing is remember why we confess. What is the the purpose of it? Forgiveness, cleansing, healing. Mm -hmm. When we remember those things, then it becomes like, okay. Right, you got to go to the hospital and tell the doctor why you broke your leg. What were you doing? <laughs> how because, did we get here? Because they need, they, right, like we need to diagnose how did we end up in this place and that being is with confession. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that, but I, I think that more practically speaking is you got to find somebody you really trust and who is for you and will not use what you share with them against you. They will not use it to manipulate you. Um, and you find someone who has the same heart for Christ that you do. Like you're going in the same direction. So I think those those are the practical pieces. But the big one is just our pride. And yeah. I think the best way to get over that is remembering this is why Christ came, to set us free from the mm-hmm. sin that has caught you, mm-hmm. to forgive you, to cleanse you, and to heal you. So confession is step one, mm-hmm. admitting I've done some stuff. I think you had on a really good point too of someone, like when you're confessing to someone, pick someone who has the same goals mm-hmm. and is pursuing the same things as you are. Because I think for me, I didn't do that in the beginning. And I would confess with someone and they'd be like, that's not the big of a deal. Yeah. Or are you confessing that? They don't share your conviction. And you're like, yep. okay, well, yep. now mm-hmm. what? And so I think that's something to really be cognizant of when you're thinking about this is like have someone who's going to hold you to the same standards that Christ does when you're confessing. Because yep. they're dismissive of your sin, that's not helpful either. Yeah, it's not going to be helpful at all. No. Mm-hmm. So, and somebody that is James five sixteen says that that is willing and able to pray for you. Mm-hmm. That it's not just like okay, thanks for letting me know. Let's go. Yeah. Versus no, this is a big deal. Let me let me pray over you, 
as we continue forward. Well, that's one of the benefits of confession too, is like once someone else knows, you have someone to walk alongside with you. So it should be someone who is in your life as well. So kind of going off of that, we've talked about why we should do it, how we should do it, why it's good, why it's beneficial. If all those things are true, why are we scared to do it? Why don't we do it? I think there's a million reasons why we don't do it. (laughs) I think nothing in us at all wants to admit, Paige, like you said earlier, that we're weak, that we have things about us that we wish were different, that we're struggling. uh, And especially— We don't want to be vulnerable. The longer you've been in church, Mm -hmm. the more church leadership maybe you walk into, you don't want to admit that you don't really have it all together, that you may still struggle like the person that's just walking in the doors of the church for the very first time. You should be farther along. You should be farther yeah. along. The mm-hmm. biggest lie that the enemy wants to feed to people yeah. that have walked with Jesus for a long time is, oh, you should be probably at a different place. So definitely keep that to yourself. Yeah. Um, or sometimes, you know, it could just be that you've not been exposed to believers that are actively practicing this. And so to think about In a starting, way. Yeah. right, to think mm-hmm. about starting to confess seems scary. You know, I remember in the church that I was a part of growing up, um, being a middle schooler and having some high school leaders that you know, would would lead us and guide us through scripture. But then when it came to confession, they would they would even say out loud that we're not going to talk about these things. So if you have that, kind of keep it to yourself. But these other things maybe are fair game to, to discuss. Which would just feed shame. Right. It would just right. feed. Like just, like, you know what? I'm never going to talk about that again. Yeah. We can't even talk about what you're doing, right? Well, and it, yeah. it, it, it emphasizes certain sins or patterns more than others yeah. as they're bigger, they're more extreme. Definitely shouldn't talk about those. Um, you shouldn't even be struggling with those if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so again, like you said, it causes you to to be pushed back more in darkness. And so I think there's a million reasons why we're afraid to confess. What I've seen that's so powerful that I, I remember um, a church that I worked at in Dallas. I was down there and it was one of my first weeks to work there. And they have a, a prayer staff meeting each week. And we came together and we're starting with worship. And we're singing through the song uh, that has the lyrics I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. And they kind of stop midway through and they're like, all right, if you were to fill in the gap, I'm no longer a slave to what, but I am a child of God, what would that be for you? And all around the room, people just started kind of out loud saying, I'm no longer a slave to lust. I'm no longer a slave to addiction. I'm no longer a slave to um, eating disorder. I'm no longer a slave to pornography. I'm no longer a slave to envy or, or whatever the case may be. And it was just out loud naming these things that they had walked in or maybe they still struggle to fight against every single day. But I was so amazed. I'd never been in a room like that before where mm. people were so willing to admit their weaknesses. And we're a church staff. We're the people that should have it all together, yeah. you know? And so it was beautiful. And I think that that was—it was huge for me to see people do that and to know, oh, you're not going to be turned away. We're not going to be surprised by that. We're not going to look at you differently because of that. More so, we're going to walk around or, or walk with you come alongside of you and pray to a God that's more powerful than anything that you could ever walk in or be tempted by. Well, and what a what a great example of normalizing the Christian walk. Yeah. That includes confession. When confession is no longer the boogeyman. Man, that that's real freedom. It's like, hey, we can actually be obedient to God's word and the instruction that we are to confess to one another and it's not a big deal. It's normal. Man, what just talking about that, I mean, you're like, man, I want to be a part of that church, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I can go and just say, this is who I am. Help me. And they'd be like, absolutely, way to go. <laughs> you know, like, that. that's life-giving versus what we fear is going to happen. I remember the first time I confessed, 
because I, I had to, I had confessed many times because I got caught and I had to confess. But I remember the first time I confessed willingly of my own volition, it took me two years to do it because I was so scared of my reputation, what they were going to think of me, you know, and Satan gave me every reason to not do it mm-hmm. every time. And, and confession's always hard. It never becomes just like, oh yeah, no problem. Here, I, like it, it's hard because it's heavy. Yeah. And as a Christian, I'm like, man, yeah, dang it, it grieves me that I have to come back. I'm still there, right? Five years later, 10 years later, I'm still, this is a battle. But be encouraged that Satan's not going to give up on you. So it, it is going to be a battle. That's normal. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think you guys had on a really, really good point of our fear of confession partly is tied into people's response to mm-hmm. what we say. And so kind of going off of that, my next question is, what is the appropriate way to respond when someone confesses to us? Because if we're in a healthy Christian community, you're going to confess to others and they're going to confess to you as well. And so I think being able to receive that well is also really important. Yeah. So what does that look like? Well, we talk about this a lot with our community group leaders because it's a big thing. You know, if we're asking people to confess, we want to make sure that we're creating an environment where they feel like I've confessed and I'd want to do it again because I wasn't met with someone that either wanted to fix me or wanted to judge me or ridicule me. And so I think a big thing that we often can feel tempted to do is have the right words to say to someone when they bring something to the table, big or small, that maybe we don't know how to navigate. We want to like have the right things. We want to fix it for them. We want to have the solution magically just kind of to to share with them. And I would say definitely uh, run away from that temptation to fix something or fix Mm -hmm. someone, but be willing just to kind of sit in it with them. And something powerful, I was in a community group setting um, recently and someone began to share something that they were walking through. And we just read James 5, 16 immediately after. That was the immediate response that we shared with them when they were able to confess sin. We read James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so then we immediately prayed for that person before we ever talked about how to walk forward with them and care for yep. them well as they're walking in freedom, as they're running away from this sin, um, you know, some action, practical steps to take. Those things can happen and those those conversations are important as well, but follow that model of James 5, 16. If someone's going to confess and you want to make that um, a space where confession is welcomed, begin with prayer, you know, fight, fight against trying to just fix someone or have the right words, but pray, lay it before the God that already knows how to walk with them, already knows how to comfort them, already knows how to, or already has really healed them. Um, And then, you know, walk forward asking the right questions and just kind of being curious as to how to love them best as they're walking out of that sin. I think that's a great word, especially for guys, we want to fix it. Mm-hmm. Like here's the solution, three steps. That's never happening again. Okay, easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think I think for me, the, my how do we do this when someone like how do we respond? I always try and do two things right off the bat. Number one, I thank them mm-hmm. for trusting me um, to, to 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 trust me with that information because that's a big deal. And because like I said, it took me two years to do it the very first time, and because I was scared. And so my immediate re- response is always, "Man, thank you." for saying that. Thank you for trusting me with the information. And then I follow with, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for getting over your fears. I'm proud of you for moving towards spiritual wholeness and, and, and health. You are, you're doing it, man. Like you are, you're obeying scripture. This, you're doing it. Cause I want them to like, yes, okay. I wasn't rejected. They didn't, 
I would also say watch your facial expressions. <laughs> like, because sometimes our face says something that we don't know it's saying. And so very cognizantly, I, I thank them. I tell them I'm proud of them. And then I do exactly what I said, Oakley's like, let me pray for you. Yeah. And then, I mean, there is nothing more powerful. Like, I, like that small group just fires me up. Like, there's nothing more powerful than a group of people or an individual saying, we're going to surround you right now. And we are going to we are going to pray down God's favor on you, uh, the the strength of the Holy Spirit, to, the, the the power of grace would would carry you, mm-hmm. because the next time they're tempted, the next time they want to do that, they're going to remember that that feeling of support that that we you know that like we talked about in the last podcast that we would consider how we could spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is it, right? You confess, pray for each other, and the healing comes in the process of. Yeah man, I've been cleansed, I've been forgiven, I'm supported, we're on the same page, let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Versus good. you're walking out with chains yeah. that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. You walk out different. Yeah, absolutely. So the second part of kind of this with confessions, it's confession and repentance. So confession, we always say like leads to repentance. So before we dive into that, I think we need to define what repentance is and what that looks like. I love Dallas Willard. He's a uh, former, he's passed away, but he's a philosopher, uh, philosophy professor at USC. And he just defines words really, really well, very creatively and just way better than I would ever do it. He says this, repentance is not beating your head on the floor or feeling bad about your sins. It's to rethink your thinking so as to change the way you've been thinking and acting. We repent in the light of the gospel of Jesus. So I I just love that because repentance gets a bad rap, right? Like you think about the person on the corner holding a sign, repent, you know, the repent. Is near. Yeah, yeah, the end is near. And that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But repentance biblically um, is is very much more aligned with what Dallas Willard is saying. It's, it's rethinking your thinking. Change how you think and then change how you act. Because you change how you think, it changes how you act. And so we talk mm-hmm. about it from two perspectives um, in our ministry is it's change how you think and then you turn from something to something. You turn from this to this. And that's the, there's a spiritual repentance, you know, mental Mm -hmm. rethinking, and then a physical repentance of, all right, I'm going to change what I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think you had a really good point. I remember it was a few years ago when I was at the gathering and you were talking about this, and it was not the, not just turning away from something, but turning to something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really pivotal part because I think when you try and change behaviors, you just try to cut something out and you don't replace with anything beneficial. Mm You get real discouraged You'll go right back and you go right back to it and, and then you're yep. just in a vicious cycle. So I think that idea of turning away from sin and to the Lord is a really important part of mm-hmm. repentance mm-hmm. as well. So going off of that, we've talked about confession and just, I think this whole topic, there's just a lot of a mixed bag of, there's the freedom, there's guilt, there's shame. There's just a lot that rolls with it. And so I think we need to also talk about the difference between grief and guilt when tied to repentance as one produces positive change and one is from the pit of hell. So what are the differences? <laughs> Guilt's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Second Corinthians 7.10 kind of addresses this. And it says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So breaking that down, looking at the first part of that verse, you know, godly grief, which is an interesting thing to talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. the godly grief. It's not shame, um, but there is conviction that comes whenever we're walking in ways that don't bring the Lord honor. So godly grief um, that can stir up in us a repentance 
that does not lead to shame, that does not lead to regret, but it does lead to change. It leads to salvation. And so we don't have to um, feel that shame and let that shame identify us, but we should be moved to movement. Like you said, we should be moved to change and go from one thing that's of this world to turn to another thing that's of the fullness of the Lord. Uh, If we're stuck in that worldly grief, though, which, you know, I think sometimes those voices can sound somewhat similar in our minds, but identifying Satan's voice and the way that he wants to lie to us and speak to us, it's always going to lead us into deeper despair and deeper shame instead of leading us towards people, leading us to walk in light, Mm -hmm. leading us towards freedom. And ultimately that shame um, and that guilt is only going to take us down a path that leads towards death. You know, we're going to start to rely on ourselves rather than embody and, and remember the grace that God has freely offered us. Even when we were sinners, even when we had not at all repented, the Lord offered grace. And so anything that doesn't lead us towards that is going to be leading us towards death. And that's not what God asks of us. That's not what God offers. And so I think that there is a godly grief. There is a godly conviction to change our minds, to change our actions. Um, but it's going to lead us towards something fuller every single time. Well, I think the, the another distinction there is that is that uh, worldly grief, you know, produces guilt and shame that are me-focused. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for what I did. I got caught. I shouldn't have done that. And so we feel guilt where godly grief is God-focused. My activity in light of who he is and who he's called me to be. And, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a difference I, I, because I am understanding and thinking about how does, how does God ha- want me to live my life as an ambassador of Christ? It grieves me. I'm not doing that mm. versus I got caught. I know I shouldn't do that. Guilt and shame. Yeah. One is me focused. One is Christ focused. And and they're both, they both make us sad, but for different reasons. One because of our pride and one because of, oh man, I, I want to be a, a faithful follower of Christ. And I wasn't. Mm. And that makes me sad. That's grief. Yeah, absolutely. Something else that I really think is important to repentance is it's, it is a process. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, I love quick fixes. And so a lot of our walk with the Lord is not that it is a process. It is a renewal of our minds. As Romans 12 one says, like it is something that takes that renewing day by day. And what I love is in second Peter three, nine says the Lord is not slow to fill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so just that idea that like the Lord is eager to receive us. We repent. It is not like, Oh, I can't believe Paige did that again. You have no business coming back to me. The Lord is eager and his posture towards us and his heart is for us to keep returning to him and to keep coming back to him whenever we fall. Well, you think about like the the prayer of salvation we talk about, like, you know, when did you pray the prayer of salvation? Mm -hmm. Some people grew up with that tradition. Like that's just it's it's icky to me because that's not it. Like I, I'm I'm constantly committing my life to Christ. <laughs> like every day I need to reset the button. Like okay, my default is not to follow Jesus, and so my default then becomes or my the the, the repentance is every day is repentance. I'm mm-hmm. going to turn from the way I want to do. I want to be king of my life. I'm going to repent every day, and so it's really a lifestyle of repentance, a, a lifestyle of changing and renewing my mind. Romans twelve is I'm going to renew my mind. Um, that's a, that's a mental act of repentance. Um, I'm going to physically repent. I'm going to change how I act because of my knowledge of Christ. Um, and so it, there is that, it is a process. It is a daily 
thing. It is a lifestyle of repentance, yeah. and which is awesome because every time we repent, we're turning back to God. And so why are we ashamed of, hey, I turned back to God 300 times today. That's a wonderful thing, right? Yeah. That is a wonderful thing to be able to say. Um, you know, we can emotionally repent. We can physically repent. We can uh, psychologically and mentally repent. Like there's, like it's just, it's a lifestyle of turning from this to this. I'm going to change my mind on how I think about dating. I'm going to think about how I change my mind about work. I'm going to change how I think about money according to the way God's word in, instructs me to think. Mm-hmm. I will just clarify for those that are listening that maybe grew up with the, I have to get baptized every summer at church yeah. camp mentality <laughs> because I don't feel like I'm saved. Um, this is, there is a yes. clarifying thing here to be stated that, you know, you give your life to the Lord and that is a change. That's immediate. Yes. The spirit comes in and yeah. dwells Good and secures the Holy Spirit or secures your eternity uh, with God. This is just more so like you're living your faith out and we're never going to be the completed product. Yep. We're ne- pro Product? Is that, is that weird to say humans are products? products. I mean, the, the completed human person that the Lord would call us to I be, couldn't give you a better word. I like product. Product. I think it was good. Yeah. Anyways, we're never going to be our, our completed self, our perfect self, until we we cross the gates of heaven and, and we yeah. walk with the Lord. And so there's always going to be this sanctification process um, that's consistently turning our minds and our hearts back to the Lord. Um, but, mm-hmm. but the idea of salvation, I think, is a little yes. bit different. That's good. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. Man, this is such a good conversation about this. I think, at least for me, I didn't grow up with a lot of healthy conversations about confession and repentance, just kind of in the circles that I was in. So I think it's really good for people to hear that it is beneficial and it is good and it is life-giving and it shouldn't be these things we're ashamed of, afraid of, or Mm -hmm. unwilling to do. And so going off of that, I hope those listening are encouraged to go out and to do it and to practice this. And so my so what is how do we practically walk this out? Like, what does this look like? Rub me the road. Next step after listening to this, what can someone go do? So what I think a big part of that is get people in your life, get, jump into community where you can start to forge those relationships and build yeah. that deeper trust so you can live these things out. You know, I don't think that it's always appropriate either to just go up to any person on the street corner and tell them yeah. your deepest not struggles help, not that you're struggling helpful. with. Maybe not. But get the people in your life that that you can walk these things out with and make community and make this a priority. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable and it may never stop being uncomfortable. Yep. Ultimately, you know, yep. our, our sins always, or our flesh is always going to battle against this, but uh, fight against that. Discipline yourself to make these practices within your life. Yeah. Oh, and I would, uh, maybe a, a, a step beyond that is once you identify that person, let them know. Like invite them into that role in your life. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, I would love for you to know me really well. I want to be known. I don't want anything to be in the dark. And so I trust you. You're my friend. You're whatever. Like, do you think we could have that relationship? Invite them into it. Because I think most people aren't walking around and be like, hey, we're friends. Why don't you confess to me today? <laughs> like, it's just that taboo. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's got to start with, an I think, an invitation to make yourself available that, hey, this is where I want to go. Um, and then I, I think the, the the other practical side of that is, and this is a big one for me, especially when it comes to confession, is we always, we, in the Christian world, we hear the word accountability partner, right? Like, they're my, be my accountability partner. I've seen as a guy, those fail almost 100% of the time. Um, because, and I'm just speaking from my experience as a male, we do not like to talk about our failure. We want to talk about our successes. And so sin-focused 
accountability. Meaning the only reason you meet with somebody is simply to confess sin. I'm going to predict that's not going to last very long because it's, we don't like it. We don't want, like if, if I identify my friend, he's my sin confession guy. Well, then our, our whole conversation focuses on sin, the darkness. So what I would say is acknowledge sin, confess it, but in also make sure that that conversation is Jesus focused, not sin focused. Yeah. Meaning, so, okay, thank you for telling me that. I'm proud of you for sharing that. Let's pray. All right, let's move on now. So what are you reading God's word and how are you seeing God move in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Good. Because if it's just sin focused, it 99% of the time, it's not going to work. Yeah. It may work a couple of times, but eventually like going back to what you said, okay, like I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still struggling. And you, and it just human nature, we feel like a failure. Yeah. And so I think having solely sin-focused, don't, don't let it be solely sin-focused confession time. Mm-hmm. Let it be, hey, let me confess to you what I'm reading and what God's doing in my life and how God's fruit, this fruit of the Spirit is being played out. Mm-hmm. Because then it's, hey, God's moving. This is good. I want to do this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's good. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope it was helpful. We hope you enjoyed it. You learned something. And as always, if you have any questions, further thoughts, we'd love to talk with you more. Feel free to reach out to us. And we hope you have a good week. Yeah. All right. You did that.